podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi and welcome to the Nina Kaza show. Oh my God, so tired, so exhausted. But you know what? I kind of um, tweeted yesterday that this, this, this title running is more intense than a Game of Thrones episode. I take that back. This is like the Battle of the Bastards. City did their job. We've done ours again. Resume top position again. And oh, a 2-0 win over Cardiff City. Thank you very much. And we're very happy. And um, joining me, it is an Easter Sunday, so we've got a few live subscribers joining us on Discord. But I have two awesome guests who have taken time out from their busy, you know, bank holiday to join me today. And first up, I am going to introduce my first guest. It is Tadiva, much of a regular, regular voice on the Nina Kauza show. And you've heard him on many pods. He also does the wrestling pod as well. Tadiva, welcome back. It's, a, it's an Easter miracle. Jamie scored a second away goal for us. So. I yeah, know. I know. I know. Amazing. And it, fucking hell, he took it really well as well. So you know what it is? It is an Easter miracle. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. And joining Tadiva. Oh my God. This guy has so many pods under his belt. Okay. He is the co-host of the Red Review podcast, the Champions League podcast. He is a writer on Anfield Index. He also does the Pro Wrestling Index podcast. It's Andy Wales. Andy, you're a big, you're almost as a bigger slut like your co-host guy, guy Drinkle. Just going to say it. <laughs> you get a, around. That's a big belt I've got. Uh, absolutely yeah it is a big bad both of you fucking parts hey you know what Nina you know what it's it's Easter so the chocolates are out but no chocolate is as sweet as the uh, those tears that are running down the face of uh, Gary Neville right now Oh my God, you know what? He was so salty on the commentary today. Like, we will get to everything, but my God. So guys, you know what? Um, I don't think we've got any callers joining us right now. Um, we might have some questions and some points from our wonderful subscribers, which we will bring and we will discuss. So please fire away. Let us know how you're feeling after that result. How do you feel, um, subscribers? Let us know and we'll read some of your comments out. Um, but first and foremost, let me ask how you guys feel. Cause, um, Tadiva, I'll come to you first because we had a little chat. Uh, before we start recording this pod and I just said I'm just so exhausted so you know what another three points and what would you like to add to that I mean how do you feel yeah it, it's such a draining season and I think <laughs> I think the most nervous thing about it is because it's been such a draining season it's a season that you either could end up with everything or you could still end up with nothing in inverted commas um but in terms of the development of the squad over the season, I, I don't think we could have asked for more. Um, yeah, it's it's just hoping that um, that the players, the staff, and then us fans as well, we get the reward for it come the come the end of the season. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. And uh, yeah, Andy, you you joined us a little later, and I was speaking to Tadiva, and I was just saying how like. Of course, how physically and mentally drained I am. Cannot imagine what the players are going through. And I think the reason why it feels this way is because, you know, you've got this Liverpool team who are challenging on two fronts and, you know, it could potentially be a double 
a one true one or nothing you know like there is just so much it's just like oh my god I've never known a local time in my era to have everything to play for till this late yeah I think as much as anything it's because it's just been so long since we've won the league and mm-hmm. yeah, we can all, you know we can all it's so close that we can almost touch it we can almost feel it and, and I think it's just you know we've we've nearly been there, and we want this trophy so desperately that that I think the tension is just unbearable. I think if we can get this monkey off our back, say we win it ne- this year, or even if we won it next year, I think once we get that out of the way, then I think we we'll be a little bit more settled. I, th- I, I do feel like we need to start winning the trophies again to to relieve some of that tension that we have. But yeah. I think I've aged about five or ten years this year without a shadow of a doubt. This is a fantastic team and I love them, but Jesus, they've put me through the ringer. Yeah, I think I think every Liverpool fan pretty much feels the same way. Oh my God, you know what? We started off as like little hobbits and we're all looking like Gollum by the end of the season, <laughs> tearing our hair out. And the Premier, the Premiership title is our precious. That is how we feel. Okay, guys, let's kind of talk about this then. And Tadiva, I'll come to you first. Um, team team news was announced. Um, any surprises or changes? Did you feel anything? I mean, of course, I think the most notable one was, of course, Fabinho, um, Fabinho getting a rest and Naby Keita being brought back into the equation. Um, your thoughts on that? Yeah. Team, I, were you I, happy with it? I, I was happy with the team. <laughs> I think um, especially after midweek, um, be, you know, having Origi starting, it gives that little bit of a break to a Firmino, um, even though he did come on. And then, so you, you sense that the front three were going to be unchanged. The back, you want to keep it as solid as possible. I think Matip justifies keeping his position next to Van Dyke. And based on form, I don't see him being taken out, especially in the Premier League, I would, I would, I would assume. Um, and then obviously the fullbacks, you need, um, these two fullbacks in a game like this. Although I think we'll, we'll come on to Trent's game a bit later on, but you definitely need marauding fullbacks in a team that's going to sit back. Um, and then for Fabinho getting the rest. Yeah, that's fine. The, the midfield seems to be, everyone seems to be on a high at the moment. So whichever three are picked seem to be okay to do the job, which, which is a good thing, uh, heading into the end of, of a season. Absolutely. And what about yourself, Andy? Because, of course, way back when there used to be so much fume and angst about um, the Liverpool team, you know, line-up, if, you know, if Fabinho wasn't playing or, 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 you know, whichever player that, you know, certain fans, um, you know, hold dear and cherish. Um, but I feel like right now everyone seems to be pretty much on board with the fact that, you know, rotation is key. We do have legs in the midfield and, you know, there's certain players that are playing better and performing. So um, I feel like it's less of a... Less of a civil war on social media. Um, are you, do you, would you say that's fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think what's contributed to that is the change in, in the role for Henderson over the mm-hmm. past few weeks, yeah. allowing him to, to play further forward, his more natural game. And I think people just feel that relief now that they know that it, it isn't this thing of shoehorning him into this number six position and, and keeping our best number six on the bench in order to have him on the, in the team. So it, I think people feel more relaxed and and to be quite honest, you know, there's no two ways about it. Henderson's been playing well since he's moved into that, you know, more yeah. advanced position and he, de- he deserves to be playing. So I don't think there's been any argument in that terms. 
And as much as I would love to see Fabinho's name kind of stenciled onto the team sheet alongside Virgil van Dijk, I think uh, the, the games that we've had in quick succession and the amount of minutes under his belt recently, you can understand um, that that rotation in midfield. And, and coming up against a team as weak as Cardiff, um, you know, how whatever they've got to play for, whatever the conditions and anything like that, we should have enough in the, the title challenge that we're, you know, we're involved in. We're on approaching 90 points this season. We should have enough in our locker to beat Cardiff anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. But, you know, um, Tadeev, I'll come to you because, you know, this is a team that was, you know, is essentially fighting for survival. You know, they had something on the line. It's not like a team that's off to the beaches or on the seaside. Um, you know, and Warnock kind of spoke up before the game as well. And, you know, there was a lot of, um, I don't know, there was maybe a lot of like, maybe a little bit of tension amongst Liverpool fans thinking about, oh my God, this could potentially be the banana skin. Maybe this is the where we kind of slip up because we're used to that kind of disappointment where we've kind of screwed up in the past. And you know, you've got to think about Crystal Palace in the 13-14 season and of course Chelsea, you know, those kind of games. So, you know, this team had a lot to play for. And I feel like, um, I want to talk about the first half with you because I felt, because I did jump onto social media, um, something that I shouldn't have done. And there was a lot of um, maybe anxiety and maybe unsettled nerves because you see a team like Manchester City who kind of do their business pretty early, get an early goal, and they were kind of willing that for Liverpool. But I think there was a lot of chances wasted. And I think that kind of really frustrated a lot of Liverpool fans and maybe kind of was quite frustrating to watch as well. I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think Klopp has addressed that before in an interview in, in the sense that that's just not our style, I don't think, yeah. uh, especially this season. We, we seem to be a lot more patient. Uh, we back ourselves over 90 minutes against pretty much anyone. Uh, I'll argue every, every team we play against, we back ourselves to, by the end of 90 minutes, we'll be fine. Whether, and we've seen this season, whether they score first or if we score first, at the end of the 90 minutes, um, Klopp's ingrained in this team a confidence that trust the system, trust the game plan, we will come out on top. So I think for the players that that is showing on the pitch and it's helped, for us as fans, I think it's something we're just going to have to get used to. Um, it, it's definitely not easy viewing opposed to, let's say, a City game where within the first five minutes they're leading. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's a different, maybe a different approach, um, between the two managers. And then, um, you just take it from there. I think also in terms of, you know, going on Twitter beforehand, I, I luckily I didn't, uh, go on Twitter beforehand. I came onto Discord just to, just to see what people were talking about the, the, the lineups, but I didn't really participate in any of it. I don't think, um, I thought I, I personally was comfortable heading into this one. Mm. I think. Also, mainly because um, Cardiff played midweek as well. So they had uh, Burnley at home, then Brighton away, and then now playing us. And I thought those two games, Burnley and Brighton, psychologically for them were massive games that must have taken so much out of them. Of and I think that played into Klopp's thinking of the patience in this game that over 90 minutes, they're just going to tire. And it's going to take, you know, for playing against Liverpool and playing a low block, you have to concentrate for 90 minutes. And for a team that's not used to playing so many games in quick succession, I, I, I was comfortable that they were going to crack at some point in time. Mm, absolutely. And what about yourself, Andy? I want to get your thoughts on maybe the first half because I did kind of read them. 
I, when I went onto social media, I read like maybe a tweet from yourself and it was, um, you know, um, something about the midfield, um, you know, maybe some of the, um, the play might be a little slow. Maybe we could, um, you know, up the tempo. Yeah. I think that the tempo was lacking a bit. I mean, mm. One of the concerns with the midfield is it was so flat. It was just simply the shape of it. Uh, Henderson was right over to the right-hand side, kind of getting into the space where, where Salah and uh, and Trent like to play and like to work into, so I thought I, I felt like the midfield was a bit too flat and not really sort of dynamic enough in the shape in in the first half, and, and yeah, the tempo was lacking. I mean, I know when you look at it, look, that sun was causing some issues on on crosses from one side of the pitch, mm. but the pitch was dry. It was it was quite hot out there, so I don't think it was ever going to be a frenetic game. And and as to do were mentioned, you know the midweek games for both teams, and we've had the travel back from Portugal as well. So I don't think it was ever going to be a frenetic game. But I felt like in the first half we were moving the ball a bit too slowly, a bit too ponderous, and it and it was too easy to defend against. Uh, even though we we did have some ch- a few chances, uh, and we do have to be a bit more clinical with them chances. I think in in essence, really, it was. It was the uh, the Ginny goal that really changed the tempo. That that changed the game, and it was almost as though the first half we were waiting for that to happen. But I do feel like like to do where you know we do back ourselves, and you do feel like the it's a more mature side that we've got now, uh, and you feel more confident that we will be patient and that we can see it out and we can get there. Whether it's sixty, seventy, eighty, even even ninety minutes. You know that we can get there, but yeah, that there's. I suppose it's just that tension. Um, we, we'd all like to see us get there a little bit sooner rather than later. For sure, for sure. And um, Gags has put a comment in there, and I'd like to like for you to both to discuss this. Apart from um, post match comments, of course, we miss them because we jump straight on. Um, Gags is keeping an eye on those things, so we appreciate that. Our wonderful, wonderful producer. He says, "Club saying we played a diamond today to counter their balls over the top." Um, it's something that maybe he wants to discuss. I mean, Tadiva, did you kind of notice this? Because Phil Bart 78 says it looked like a diamond as well as Bobby's um, average position was in the 10 or deeper. Yeah, I, I, I didn't notice it too much in terms of it being distinct. I thought there was fluidity mm. in the team. Um, mm. I, I did wonder who was going to play, obviously, the, the more deeper role between the three yes. of Kate, Genie and Henderson. Um, but in, in terms of the diamond itself, perhaps that's what maybe left Trent Alexander-Arnold a bit too exposed at the uh, at, at right back. Yep, um, I just mentioned that as well. He just oh, goes, is it? Oh, okay. yeah, exactly, Tadeva. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so whereas usually with, with a, a bit more of a flatter three, you can get that support from that right centre mid. So, um, yeah, so maybe that's something that could have been tweaked at halftime or looked at at halftime to give more support to Trent or just stop Trent from bombing forward, which I suppose we saw he, he wasn't as um, advanced in that second half. But yeah, in terms of the formation itself, I thought it was fluid enough that the players could go in and out. But um, the only most distinguishable thing was how deep uh, Firmino was dropping you. That I did notice, uh, maybe just to help with the creativity a bit. For sure. And what about yourself, Andy? Have you got any comments? Maybe, um, maybe because we're maybe playing a different system than usual. Maybe that could have been the reason why maybe some of the play was a little slower. I'm not so sure. I mean, 
like you said, probably opening 35 to 40 minutes, it, it didn't look obvious that the midfield were operating in a diamond. I, I think it was sort of around half time onwards that you could see Bobby was was pulling a little deeper. Yes, but, he was. Yeah, but the midfield looked looked quite flat at times. You're looking across. I mean, Jeannie was right out on the left. Henderson was right out on the right and, and Cater was central. So maybe the plan was for them to act more of a diamond, but it wasn't quite happening actually on the pitch in that first half. But it definitely... Um, I think there was a dif- there was a definite difference in in terms of the performance second half to first. There was mm. there, there was more there, there was a, a more direction. There was a bit more energy to it. And and like you said, you know, once that goal went in, and that was only sort of ten minutes into the second half. As soon as that goal had gone in, that was it. It totally changed our tempo on the ball second half as well. So I just it almost felt like the, the first half was just. You know, it was two teams just working their way through till half time. I, th- I think Cardiff were relieved to get to half time nil nil, and and we weren't quite on it, but still could have been winning. You know, one or two nil, and, and probably should have been. I think also, if I can add, with the tempo, um, I think obviously um, the wind thing with Klopp has become a bit of a, a joke thing. But I think them not watering the pitch before kickoff. I think the last time it was watered was like an hour and a half before kickoff, apparently. So that obviously doesn't help with the speed and the tempo we like to pass the ball around. Mm. So I think that that's a factor you throw in as well. Yeah, I I agree with that. I, I think that's, you know, pitch condition definitely does play a hand in that. Okay, um, so, I mean, today I'll come to you because, you know, this, you know, you, you both kind of mentioned this and, you know, one of the things that you said was um, Liverpool, it's not really their style to kind of score an early goal. If we do, great, but we, we're a bit more mature, we're a bit more measured. And I feel like that's like largely down to like a confidence in knowing that if you're going to play a lower block that we do have the goods to kind of, um, you know, un- unlock, unlock a, a lower block. I feel like we've matured a lot along the way. Um, I want to get your thoughts on that. I feel like we're just better against teams that are more defensive. Yeah, and we did I, have chances in that first half as well. I know people think, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. But we actually had some chances and that is the only concern. Well, not even a concern, a negative would be that Liverpool had some very good chances in the first half and we should have converted them. Yeah, I agree. We we definitely should have, especially for me, knows what. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> we definitely should have converted. But I think also... It, I think it just comes with becoming more familiar with Klopp and mm. the the players getting more football intelligent, if we can say. Um, and it's not a knock on on the previous managers, uh, you know, that that had the team. But I thought Klopp adopted a very immature team when when we came in, not necessarily in aid wise, but in terms of just football IQ and football acumen. And you know, there there are times in games where we would be one or up and not slowing down play. You know, it's still looking to take quick free kicks. Whereas that's the time in the game where you fake, you know, the cramps and you, you know, you, you, t- you take long to take the throw in. And then the goalkeeper changes the side of the, the, the goal where he's going to take the goal kick from. Like we never really had that, that in us. And it seems to be something that's, that's been emphasized by Klopp as we've gone on. Even just, the fact of, you know, if, if we go one down one side and we pass the ball around and we see that there, everyone is marked, th- there's no harm in going back and trying the other side, you know, getting the ball back to Van Dyke, letting him do a crossfield ball, and then we work it that way. So there's a lot more patience and, and intelligence of how we want to do things, opposed to maybe um, the, 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 
I don't want to say reckless, but the more helter-skelter, you know, full-blast football, it's a bit more patient. And I think that will serve us better long-term. I agree, because it's a complete stark contrast to maybe the 13-14 season, right? When, you know, the last time we were a challenge for a title, I believe we won 6-3 last time um, when we played Cardiff City. But, you know, we were scoring a lot, but we were conceding a lot. And Andy, I think, you know, Tadeva's right in the sense that we we seem to have really matured and the players kind of understand the task at hand and knowing that, you know, when when to kind of slow down play, when to kind of, you know, do a tactical foul. And I think all all those lessons, I think we've really implemented well this season and certainly in this game as well. I felt like, you know, even though we missed some big chances, I didn't see a sense of anxiety or oh god it, that that was our best chance we're not going to we're not going to get another chance you know we're playing a low block team we find it hard to break this team down i felt like there was a, a sense of calm amongst the players yeah uh, absolutely i think there's it's a big thing from this liverpool team is that mm. they don't panic you know we don't we don't have that i think a big a big difference between this team and the 13 14 team is they were very much a confidence side. You know, we were very much about confidence. We were, you know, we were riding high. We were playing really well, scoring goals, winning games, and the confidence was high. But if something went against us, you know, we conceded a goal. Um, you know, or we, you know, we dropped points. I think it really affected us, and you could see that. You know, with the the uh, Palace game that came straight after the Chelsea one, how that how that affected us. You know, any knock. And we struggle to recover from it. I think this this team is very different. There isn't that sense of panic and there is a maturity there. But I think really that patience for me stems from a belief that that has really sort of been drummed into them and, and that we have amongst the squad. And I think that is that for me is an exciting thing. It, it's something that I saw weeks ago that I, I just it convinced me that we have a, a belief about this squad that they can win games, that they can keep the ball, they can you know bide their time. In in many ways, like you remember, like under Guardiola with with uh, Barcelona and even mm. that Spain team that were winning the trophies, that they were quite happy to pass the ball, keep moving it around, moving it around, moving it around for eighty eight minutes because they had that belief that they would create a chance and they'd score a goal. They yes. could still win a game, whether it was you know, whereas it was the first half, it was the second half, whether it was the ninetieth minute. That there is that belief there that they can win the game and that they'll never be beaten. That even if you score, they can come back and they can score more than you. And I think that's that's testament in this season in just how many goals we've scored late in games. You know that we will keep coming back and we'll keep going and keep going. And we believe that we can win games. We we believe that we can get through. And for me, it's that kind of belief that's that's built into the players and to the team that is that is so sort of. I don't like to say this, I know, but it, it's so reminiscent of of that Man United team under. Mm. The, the various Man United teams under Ferguson, they had yeah. a sense of belief about them that they could beat anybody on their day. And even if you were beating them, they could come back and they could still win and they would win trophies and they would win finals. And and that's what I see in us. I see that belief coming into our team. And and, that, and in all honesty, and I've been a fan for, um, oh God, no, <laughs> like over 30 years. Um I haven't seen this kind of belief in a Liverpool team since even before the Rafa era. And you going back to the Dalglish years is is the last time I saw a sense of a, a real belief amongst the squad 
at Liverpool like this. And yeah, it, we want to get over the line, obviously, but I think even if we don't do it this season, I, I, it feels sustainable that we we are on the verge of something here. And and if it doesn't happen this year, it'll happen next year. It's it's so close that it's palpable. I absolutely have to agree with you in that sense that, you know, it, you know, like the 13-14 the season to me kind of felt like, oh my God, this is amazing and it's fun. And, you know, largely down to one outrageously good player who just made everyone else around him better. And of course, in this game, we do win. We win 2-0 and the goals do not come from the strikers. It, they come from the midfielders, you know. So, that you know, there is that whole, like, a shared responsibility of, you know, just quality performances around the pitch and I think you know I think you're spot and I think the spine is really good and um Steve P goes absolutely just like the 80s team like a bulldozer I'm sure uh you know fans that remember the teams from the 80s will absolutely agree with you there Andy I mean today I'm going to come to you and you know I think what we need to do is maybe discuss um some of the players and we kind of discussed Trent you kind of mentioned Trent and you know, to me as well, I mean, I didn't really notice the diamond when I was watching the game, but you did highlight that, you know, maybe because he wasn't having the sufficient cover on his side was why he was having a bit of a torrid time against, you know, uh, some of the Cardiff players. Yeah, I, I think, and also I think anything we say with Trent, you just still have to remember that he's still a young boy. So yes. he's going to have games where he's going to have an off day. It's it's part of the development of of any any young player. Um. So you, you yeah, I think he's twenty now. So yeah, you 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 expect that, and you he takes it on the chin. It's something he 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 will use to grow and and learn from. Um. I do think he, he was left a bit exposed then, and and a bit of help would have maybe eased that a little bit. But to the credit of the team, I think. What ended up happening is we ended up forcing them to play more either down the middle or towards the right of, of, well, their right, not our, um, yeah, their right hand side instead of their left hand side, which Trent was on where, where they were seemed to be a lot stronger. And I, I was surprised they didn't go down that side a lot more considering the success they'd had. But, um, yeah, you just, he, it's just one of those games where he, you take the lessons from it if you're Trent. Um, and then you can still, at the end of the day, say I got an assist in any case. So it's it's not all bad for him in a game where he, in the first half he really did seem to struggle. For sure. And Andy, I'm going to come to you because I know you do a little bit of coaching and stuff. And I think the guy that he was up game against, and his name escapes me, but I just remember him being just an absolutely big unit. You know, just physically, just so dominant, and you know, just so present. And you know, I know you coach. I, I know you coach at, you know, youth level and you've done some coaching and I obviously have never played football at a competitive level, but I always think that those kind of things do factor into it when you look at the size and stature of players as well. And you look at maybe Trent's size as well. And I think that might have not really helped him as well. Um, it, it can, I, I think really, to be honest, it can, if you allow it, it's, you know, physical size and attributes should really be leveled out at this level. Mm. Um, it's all about getting yourself in the right position, getting the right place. Use your body. I mean, if you look at look at more, yeah, look at Lionel Messi. You know, the, yeah, but small players, small players have a lower sense of gravity. Yeah. Good things come in small packages. <laughs> yeah, but what I mean is, is is it's the way that they use their physical stature. Yeah. 
and what Trent has is, I mean, normally he has the speed. I mean, what really shocked me was that lad's a big unit and he mm. didn't look like he should be able to run at all. And he, yeah. He yeah, he had a re- kind of strange running style, but he was quick. Yeah. Um, and I think, to be honest, I, I think with Trent today, I think he just had one of them games where his, you know, two or three passes were a bit sloppy, you know, too easily given away, misplaced. Um, and two or three times, I think, really, he could have got closer to the man to close down the crossing opportunities. And you see Robertson had a bit of a go on one of them. You know, he's he, he standing too far off, allowing them to get the crossing too easily. So at his age, the, it's all part of the learning curve. You know, he's come on an incredible amount in, in an, an unbelievable short space of time. He's he's fantastic. He's one of our best. He's one of our best ball players. You know, he, he's a playmaker from right back. It, it's mm-hmm. sensational. Some of the stuff he does in possession is fantastic. I just think today it wasn't necessarily one of his best days on and off the ball. And uh, whether he was not getting quite the cover that he should have done, and, and maybe maybe the maybe the midfield and the attack weren't quite as familiar with what they were doing today as compared to what they would normally do. And maybe that's why it wasn't looking right on the pitch and why maybe he was getting a little bit exposed. But to be honest, I, I think it was just for for uh, for Trent today, I think it was just one of them days. He, he's, had, he's had a few of them lately, but he's also had some fantastic games. So I, I'm certainly not going to get on his case. Because I, I would say on the other side of the pitch as well is Andy Robertson. I, th- I thought he was okay today, but he wasn't sort of yeah, you know, particularly good or particularly bad. He was just okay, and and I think he's had a bit of a spell where he's had a few good, he's had a few bad games, then he's had some yeah, good he ones, mm-hmm. and he's been a bit sort of you know not quite on it. You know that they've been they've been sensational at times this season. They've got an incredible amount of assists, and they're a big part of our team and our structure and, and the way that we play. So maybe teams are just targeting. Maybe just teams are you know, tactically are setting themselves up to try and, you know, shut down our fullbacks and look to try and, and work at them quicker. And it, and maybe it's just another one of those things that we've kind of, you know, got to progress with and, and accept that, you know, teams are always going to look to try and stop you and find ways to stop you. As you evolve, they've got to try and, and stop it. It's, that's, you know, the nature of the game. So uh, I, I wouldn't be too, I wouldn't be too harsh on him. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, to do that. Um, can I jump in there? I think also one of the key things as well was um, that, I think, what's his name? Men- Mendes Lang or something? Yes. Um, the, the winger, yeah. Um, one of the key things, I think, as well was that really early on in the game, he got one trick over against Trent. And sometimes it just takes something like that where he now has a pep in a step. You know, he psychologically, he knows he's yes. got the beating of Trent. And then that gives him the confidence to do a lot more than he usually would do. Whereas if Trent had won that first challenge, then the it's Trent's would, game. Yeah. You know what I mean? The guy probably yeah. doesn't end up trying as much as he, he tried to do in this game, knowing that he's going to have to chase Trent up and down. Whereas, so, so I think that also plays a factor. There are times. That's a really good point. Where, especially as a winger, mm. you, you, there are days where you, you feel, yeah, I've got this guy. And then that plays a huge factor in it as well. Absolutely right. You know what? We we are going to move on to the second half, but you know, just some of my highlights from the first half. Um, Joel Matip goes on his long dribbling run again. It made me laugh. He just took it and just ran. And then, unfortunately, Lionel Matip. Yeah, Lionel Matip. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to run into the box, and he actually did okay. To be fair, I mean, let's kind of discuss um 
um, the defence because um, I, I believe someone commented above that um, uh, Joel Matip got man of the match today. I think someone wrote it or am I reading things? Yeah, Gary Neville. He was Gary Neville's man of the match. I, I was a little perplexed at that, I'll be honest. Yeah, but you know what? I have to say something. Let's talk about Joel Matip because since, of, of course, you know, Gomez's injury and I think he has stepped up and done a pretty decent job. He's a bit of an unsung hero. He doesn't get enough of the love that he deserves. He, you know what? He, 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 does a, he does a solid job, in my opinion. I don't think he did out wrong today. No, I don't think he put a foot wrong at all. He was very good. Um, Van Dyke as well. Uh, to be honest, they they were both they were both good, but they they very had very little to deal with in, in from centre forwards. It, you know, any any threat seemed to come, you know, quick and wide, and then set pieces. So it, it, I don't think it was necessarily a game to really test our centre backs. It was, I mean, I think at one one point in the second half we had something like seventy one percent possession for the game. Mm. So. Yeah, it was always going to be a game where the centre halves would just have to whatever they had, they had to deal with it well. And and in fairness to both of them, they they've done that well throughout this season. And and you're absolutely right, Matip has 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 been very very good in in the majority of the games that he's played. And he's he's certainly stepped up and stepped in. And I think testament to that is is that we haven't necessarily missed Gomez. I mean, how many times have you said, God, how? How long is it till Gomez is back? When can we get Gomez back? It's very true. And um, Tadeev, I'll come to you with regards to, um, of course, um, Matip. And it was Steve P- Pizza who said it was him that was really puzzled as to why Sky gave him man of the match. And I think Andy's answered that question quite well. But, you know, your thoughts on the centre-backs? Because I, th- I think, as usual, it's we're in a really refreshing stage in our... In our time of supporting Liverpool, where you have the utmost confidence in your goalkeeper and the defenders, and that's quite a nice position to be in. Yeah, and I think it's probably also underrated the confidence that a having an Allison back probably mm-hmm. gives a matchup. I mean, if if you're matchup, you've got Van Dijk and Allison around you. You you could not find probably better. You know, you'll be hard to find better protection. Uh, anywhere in the world than, than those two guys. So um, that's been really cool. I think also at the beginning of the season, obviously there's the whole debate of some people like Lovren, some don't. But clearly in Klopp's mind, I think it's fair to say that Matip was probably the, the fourth choice centre-back. Mm-hmm. Um, Lovren definitely always seems to be one of those players that gets games whenever he's fit. So clear, I think it's fair to say, yeah, Matip was the, the the fourth choice, and it's easy for a player if you're fourth choice centre back in you know in a team that maybe hasn't been as good defensively, but starts the season really well defensively. You're probably thinking, well, that's my season done. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm not going to get a, a look in. So you can just imagine how how it is in training, going in every day to try and keep yourself motivated. To then, when you come in, to have the confidence to say, "Once I get my opportunity, you know, they're not going to want to give it back to whoever was ahead of me," and that's been cool to see from him. I think that's been really underestimated. Just the fact that going from fourth choice to second choice in in terms of form, at least at the moment, is, is a really big achievement. And the thing I like about Matip is he seems to 
do a lot of the the simple things in terms of even just the passing that he does. He allows us to have two center backs on either side that can pass the ball mm-hmm. really well. And then as you as you alluded to with his, you know, infamous now runs. Um, <laughs> he's like, fuck it, I'm going to just go for one. At some point, he's he's going to score at least one, one the goal <laughs> where he just thinks, screw it, I'm just going to take a shot and it's just going to fly into the, the roof of the net somehow. Um, but the nice thing about that is it also frees up space for uh, the rest of our players up the field because we have a centre-back who, fine, if you're going to mark all of our players tightly, then he's going to be able to, you know, just jog with the ball and he's very comfortable with the ball at his feet. It, 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 despite the gangly legs and the long legs as as he's driving forward. But that then allows him to move forward and then pass or, you know, give up, lay lay a pass off wide and carry on his run into the box and maybe score a header. It just gives so many other options opposed to, you know, someone who's not so comfortable on the ball who could then try and force a pass where you could lose the ball. So, yeah, I I think he's been tremendous this season. And I, I wouldn't be messing with that back, to, uh, that centre back pairing heading into the last few games of the season. I think he's earned his spot yes. uh, as 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 the dep- um, the guy next to Van Dyke at the moment. I absolutely agree with you. And Jeremy just said Virgil did that too today, but I thought it was just him getting bored. Probably, um, <laughs> you know, like, I, anything you can do, I can do better, kind of thing. But yeah, okay, um, Andy and um. Tadeva, I have a question from one of our subscribers, Tim Hines, and he wants to know, are we happy to see the midfield continue to be rotated or would you rather see a settled combo for, you know, for the last five games, hopefully plus games? Okay, so guys, um, we have options and we have players on the bench and of course, Let's discuss this because, of course, Fabinho got a rest today. But, you know, there were some instances that happened in the game today and we'll probably discuss them at length. But, of course, you know, Klopp was able to take off, say, for example, in the second half and Naby Keita bring on Fabinho. He got a head injury. We had to be cautious. We had to take him off. We had players on the bench and James Milner comes on. So, you know, there are options and bodies on the bench. Um, I want to get your thoughts. Would you play with a settled or would you rotate? Because some players are really coming into form, Andy. We've got, of course, you've spoke about Jordan Henson there, who's established himself in a more advanced role. Naby Keita is now finally looking like the player that we really wanted at Liverpool. He's put in some really, really good performances and he had a good game again today. And Fabinho, like you said, is one of your key, key starters. So, and, you know, then you've got, you know, the likes and the options of, of, of course, James Milner as well, who, of course, in my opinion, needs a lot of rest. So I want to get your thoughts. Who is yours? And Ginny Wijnaldum, who scored a goal? How can we forget? So, I mean, it's an interesting one because they've all contributed in a certain way. Of course, James Milner, people don't usually want to go with him, but he is Mr. Cool and Calm and composed off the penalty spot. And he was the man again today. Ginny Wijnaldum scores away from home today. It's, it's a difficult question for today. So, Andy, can you answer it? I... Personally, I'd like us to, to, at this stage of the season, not to be rotating Fabinho now. Um, Him to become a permanent fixture, I think he just adds so much more balance to that team. But great call to take him off today, right? Yeah. Head injury. Yeah, I mean, I think looking, I mean, he looked like he was okay, but in in terms of precaution with the head injury, absolutely, it makes total sense. Uh, and and it's refreshing to see uh, doctors make that call and just say no no that's it you know taking you off 
because we've seen instances before, likes of Hugo Lloris, where players been unconscious and they've been allowed to continue. Absolutely right in this day and age, and it, and it is something that we should be seeing more often that players have that decision taken from their hands. And yeah, we are on the side of caution and ensure that no, that is it. It's a head injury. We're going to be. We'll make sure you're safe. You're being removed from the pitch. So that totally. So provided he's fit and provided he's okay, Fabinho. I just have him as a permanent fixture. Like I said, I do believe he adds so much more balance uh, to to our midfield. His positional sense, that the the aggression, the tackling, the passing, everything. He just adds so much to that that midfield. And from there in, yeah, I think we can then begin to rotate. Um, mm. I like I like Naby Keita in there more now. I think we're we're just starting to see what he is capable of. He's starting to settle in, and Henderson. Against teams like Huddersfield that we've got coming up and against the likes of Newcastle, him making them long bursting runs beyond the defence, you know, from midfield, beyond the defence, they're the kind of runs that we're going to need to break down these uh, these low blocks. So he's he's got a part to play. Gina Vijnaldum, such an intelligent player. Against a team like, you know, we've got Barcelona coming up. You'd imagine something like um, Henderson and Vijnaldum together partnering uh, partnering Fabinho would make sense in games like that. So it's, I think, really sort of horses for courses, but as long as Fabinho's there. And for me, Milner being that option from the bench, because he always can add something to that team. He can always come on and cover at the fullback position. He can add a bit of bite to the midfield, come on for 20 minutes, add that energy, put some of them tackles in that he does, that he doesn't get away with so much in the Champions League. But he, he can add something. And as we've seen today as well, you know, get apparently when he's on the pitch invariably he scores so we do have it's nice to have these options but personally I just want to see Fabinho as a permanent fixture in that in that uh, midfield you know we've only got what is it at the most something like seven eight games left so yeah just just him there three four five with the semi-finals and I'd say six max right yeah 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 so yeah it's enough you know, from here to the end of the season, you, you, you're talking six weeks tops. So, yeah, just Fabinho and two others uh, and Milner from the bench, that, that'll do me. I think that's fair. And I think a lot of people will share them thoughts. And what about yourself, Tadiva? Your thoughts on the midfield? Because we are playing very different oppositions and, you know, that requires different kind of personnel in midfield. And I think Andy highlighted that quite well. Um, what about yourself? Would you go with like a, a solid midfield that kind of knows each other and knows their roles and responsibilities? Or are you in favour of rotation, given form and, of course, fatigue? Yeah, I, th- I think especially at this time of the season, fatigue definitely plays a factor. For me, the way I see it is we shouldn't need a Fabinho in a game against Cardiff. So if it's a game like that, I don't mind a Fabinho being rested because if, if we, yeah, if, we, if we're struggling to, to hold on in a game where Fabinho isn't starting, then, then there's worries for me. You can always bring him on as, as, as he was meant to be brought on and stay on just to see out the game and make sure nothing happens at the end. But I'm, I, I was comfortable with that type of rotation. The worry then becomes, is the rotation going to happen at the right times? I think maybe that's where the bigger concern comes for most people is that maybe the rotation of players and the selection um, and when players are being given rests are, are not necessarily to people's liking. But I think at this stage, it's, we still got enough games where we should be fine. Like, for example, resting a Fabinho now, considering what we have coming 
coming up later on, especially with Champions League as well, which is definitely something we're clearly in the run for, if not one of the favourites to to go on and win it. So I, I think intelligent rotation is fine. Um, I think also we need to make sure that everyone is firing and everyone is, is, is getting enough minutes in the legs that, you know, God forbid, let's say Salah gets injured in the Champions League final. We're not bringing on a Lalana who's played like 10 minutes over six months to, mm. to come onto a, 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 into a final, you know, and, and, and pick up the pace of the game. We will have people that have been playing, that are in the groove of playing, that have the touch, you know, they have their touch on them. They know what it feels like to be on the pitch with um, the rest of the players. So I think the fixture list has been favorable for us, you know, um, heading into this last bit of the season. And it's just about picking the right games when we can do the resting. Absolutely. Okay. Um, we're going to turn our sights a little to the team that it, we're sort of challenging with, um, Manchester City. I have a question here from Phil underscore Bart 78. And he wants to know, and Andy, I'll come to you first. Where do you realistically see City dropping points, if any? I mean, they've got man, they've got man United over the, over, um, on Wednesday. And I'm sorry, but I can't rely on them for anything after what I saw today. <laughs> they, they were dreadful. And no, we can't rely on them. Um, but I've I've always said I don't know why I just had this feeling that the City would drop drop points against United. Um, Derby's are, obviously, as we know ourselves, can be a real leveler. And did Arsenal they, lose today? By the way, I didn't get a chance at their final score. They did. Yeah, they lost three two. So okay. The, the thing is, though, is you know United cannot afford to slip up against City. That is the thing for, mm. for their hopes of getting top four. They cannot afford if they'd have won today. They could have took losing against City on the chin and said, oh, well, you know, we, we're still in with a shout. You know, having lost today, they absolutely need to turn it around. And they didn't just lose. They got humiliated away at Everton. So, you know, United have, have really got to put in a performance. They've got to put something in there. And I thought City looked really tired against Spurs. I, I thought City against mm-hmm. Spurs was two really tired-looking teams. And had Spurs been more clinical you know, they probably would have taken points off City. So, you know, pick, City is starting to pick up injuries now. I, I was, I'll, I'll be honest, I was hoping City were going to go through in the Champions League just so they would have that distraction and maybe uh, take their eye off the ball on the Premier League because I desperately want that trophy more than anything. And I'll take any little advantage that I can that I can get. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've got this funny feeling that United get some points off City, maybe not beat them, but take some points off them. I mean, who expected United to beat City last year? You know, and and especially at half-time, City were winning 2-0 and the, and the really speaking should have been 6 or 7 up and ended up losing it. So you, you'd never know. But then, you know, you get to the end of the season, you know, they're, they're, they've got to play Leicester. You'd expect them to beat them, but wouldn't it be just... Uh, the, the gods of football, the, the Brendan Rodgers perversely does Liverpool a huge favour and somehow manages to beat City, or they've they've got Burnley and you know that you just you can just never you can never tell. But I, I don't know. I, I maybe it would be right down to the final game of the season, uh, and and somehow they manage to you know not win it, and and we all age twenty five years, but somehow lift the trophy. But uh, mm. 
Yeah, they're, they're so, look, they're a fantastic team. They're, they're, they've yeah. got a fantastic team, fantastic squad, fantastic manager. The fact that we are going toe to toe with them speaks volumes about where we are as much yeah. as anything else. So, yeah, if we, we could win the, you know, what has, has been said, sorry, we could end up on 97 points and still not win the league. And if, if that happens, it won't be because. You know, we won't be able to say, oh, it's because of that draw against Leicester or that draw against West Ham because you're going to have dips in the season. It happens. They City lost back-to-back against Palace and, and Newcastle. You're going to have them dips. We had ours. It, it was simply because we're up against what arguably the best team that the Premier League's ever seen. So, you know, it, it's hard to imagine them mm. dropping points, but it's football, so you just you just never know. Absolutely. Bad news for City, though. I don't think we're going anywhere. I think you both alluded to that. Tadeva, I'm going to come to you because, um, you know, he kind of, Andy kind of highlighted Manchester United last season, but I felt like I've, I think they lost right after we beat them in the Champions League. And of course, there's that added spice of Jose Mourinho just simply not liking Pep Guardiola and vice versa. And, you know, it's more than just a victory when them two play each other. Uh, the two teams that could potentially, who need something are, of course, Manchester United, who, who want to make top four. And I mean, I have no idea what's going to happen with Brighton. I mean, I know we beat Cardiff today and I think, you know, there is some point difference and a, a really good goal difference there as well. Brighton are probably fighting for their lives as well. So what is going to happen? I mean, can you see them potentially lose points anywhere? The games that they have are Manchester United, Burnley, Leicester City and Brighton. Um, and if Brendan Rodgers does something, I will name my firstborn Brendan Rodgers. Really. <laughs> I think that's a fair shot. Um, I think the the interesting thing with the United game is you probably want an embarrassed United going into the game um, be, purely because they have to put up a fight. Like um, my worry is just that um, City are just too good for them. So it could either be a, a case of either it's going to be a scrappy no no or one one, or it's going to be you know like. 4-0 to Man City and they just run riot over them which City could do to pretty much any team in the world they're, mm-hmm. they're that they're that good but what what could be really interesting is City do play a high line and what we're what I'm hoping for is that United are going to have Rashford up front um and have eight you know nine players behind the ball as soon as City lose the ball they're going to pass the ball to Pogba Pogba's going to hit and hope a long ball and Rashford goes in on the counter and it's for me that game is going to be is going to, it's going to rely on how cl- clinical Rashford is going to be, and we've seen there are times where Rashford can be clinical and times where he can't be, and th- that's the only way I can see United really scoring is on the counter attack when City have all their players in United's half and you just have the pace of Rashford going forward. Um, but in terms of which team could possibly damage them the most, the the one I'm most likely to see damaging them is probably a Burnley. Burnley away, um, okay. purely because it's just, it's, it's one of those games that you can easily draw because they're so frustrating to play, because they're so hard to beat and to break down. It's, it, it's a game that the players will probably be confident. And I, I don't see City dropping points in big games where their players are fully focused. They know we have to win this game. Opposed to a game like a Burnley where, uh, okay, it's, it's just Burnley. We can roll past these guys. Yeah, they're they're at the beach kind of thing, exactly. you know, yeah. Then all of a sudden it's the 89th minute and it's still no, no. 
that I could possibly see. I, 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 I give them a bigger chance than United, but my hope, as I said, is on the Rashford counter, and that's the that that that's how I could see that game turning out. Either a four nil City win or one nil Rashford counter goal. Interesting. Okay, we shall we shall keep an eye on that one. Okay, let's move on um, back to Liverpool now. And you know what? I think we've got to discuss um We've not got much time, but we've got to discuss Ginny Wijnaldum's goal because, like Andy, you said, it really did set the tone. I felt like we started playing better after that as well, and it was just a matter of time. And it's just great for him to score that goal as well. The, the celebrations and everything, it just means, like, that. there's that slogan, this means more. It really does. Uh, you know, you can see the players on the bench as well, just relieved that we actually, it's advantage back to Liverpool, but he struck that so well. Oh, it was beautifully struck. <laughs> <laughs> Not just beautifully, but it, it was struck real, like you know, what's that? The true struck it true. Um, oh, I, I do think I think it was um a, like a mishit corner. Um, it, it didn't look like that was something that they'd rehearsed. It did look like it was like it was a slightly mishit corner, and that was one of my things from the first half as well. And it's one of my bugbears all season: is can we please have in swinging corners because. They they always tend to be so much more uh, difficult to defend against. They're so much more dangerous. But this one, yeah, oh my word, what a strike from Genie! It just absolute textbook, perfect technique. It, it was fantastic. It went like an arrow. Um, cue the cue the commentary. <laughs> what was it? He's got a foot like a tractor engine, Alan Partridge style. It was it was beautiful and. And and like I said earlier, for for me that goal changed the game totally. You know that it's that old cliche that goals change games, but I think that goal really did change everything. It changed the tempo of the game. It changed, it really changed our energy. We upped the level, and and obviously it started to open up the space in behind. Yeah, Sadio Mane well. just started turning everyone inside out. Did you see the <laughs> Oh my god! He's got some strength on him, hasn't he? He has amazing. Yeah. I yeah, couldn't agree more. Wonderful, wonderful goal from Ginny. And and I've got to say as well, I'd have advocated taking Ginny off because I thought he was pretty quiet up to that point as well. So, yeah, fantastic goal from a guy who we love, but of late has is, is not been um, been performing at the levels that we come to uh, come to expect this season. For sure. I think, um, Tadeva, going to come to you now. Uh, you know, there's always that talk that Ginny doesn't play well from home. He's, um, you know, he's, um, you know, quite ridiculous stats about the amount of goals that he scored away from home as well. And, you know, when the strikers don't deliver, you know, like Roberto Firmino didn't score a few, our front three had a few chances. And, you know, the, the goal comes from the midfield and the most unlikely source. Yeah, probably the last midfielder I wanted on. On that volley as it was coming towards, <laughs> um, I think I'll probably even put Matt up on that volley rather than Genie, especially away from home. But um, I thought I, I thought he, he struck it so well. And I'm not sure if I read this correctly, but um, I think Klopp said in his interview, as you said, we we come straight onto this. But I, uh, am I correct in saying maybe the chat can help me out in that he mentioned that that type of corner was spoken about at halftime. Um, whether or not it was executed the way they spoke about it, because it did seem like a miss hit of the ball, um, I'm not sure. But yeah, I, I think he mentioned that they did speak about yeah, that. Yeah, somebody did mention it in the chat above, yes. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so um, 
so it's good ingen- um, ingenuity in terms of we've gone, we had so many corners in, in any case where everything was going into the box and it was just going, all, you know, being cleared or we, we weren't hitting it on target. So to do something different and to then score from doing something different is really cool. Um, I think it's an important goal, obviously, because it, it just allows the, the team to relax. We know how confident we are defensively. So anytime we score a goal, you know, it, it, it helps us to, to just relax and play our football, knowing that it's going to be tough for the other team to score. And then I think also just, you know, for Junie, it's, it's a goal that he really needed. Um, with, with the stick in terms of how he's been performing the second half of the season, a goal like that could do wonders for his confidence. So I'm just hoping it, it has a positive effect on him. For sure. And the, the, the subscriber was Herdeep Bamra who, who mentioned that. So, yep, um, uh, he, he kind of put that comment in there as well. Okay, let's move on to the second one. And Steve Pizza kind of wants to discuss this one. Um, Mo Salah gets absolutely fouled. And here we are. We're going to talk about um, Gary Neville being salty, saying it wasn't a penalty. Oh, no. Uh, the guy practically assaulted um, Mo Salah. Um, I want to get your thoughts. And, of course, Steve Pizza wants to uh, get our thoughts on Warnock's reaction to the penalty. He looked absolutely disgusted yet again. I uh, want to get your thoughts. Tadiva, I'll come to you. It was a nailed-on penalty. I'm sorry. The, the the mistake Morrison did is he held on to Salah for too for long. For so long. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, I've seen defenders and, and I've played against defenders who do hold you. And, you know, it's the dark arts of defending where you can hold the player just to get you know, your balance right and, and to move in the direction you want to go. But at some point you have to let go. You know, it, it becomes, it, the ref would have allowed it to, to carry on if he had just let, let go about maybe two seconds earlier. But the problem for him is he just kept his hands there and he was not moving them. So at that point, it, it, it is impeding the play. And I, I think it's definitely a penalty. Obviously, Warnock is going to react like that, regardless of how Stonewall a penalty it is. We have to remember that they were, you know, they couldn't afford to lose or, I think they, they that would confirm their relegation or at least almost con- con- confirm their relegation. So any decision is going to get disputed by them. And especially because it's it's Mohamed Salah, um, you know, the narrative now, they, they love to push the narrative that he's a diver. So any penalty incident that he's involved in, you'll always find someone that says, oh, well, well, he dove. So, yeah. But for me, it was a penalty. Yeah, apparently Steve Pizza goes Warnock said um, it was a 9.9 dive. Um, Andy, I want to come to you, but before we go any further, I was thinking hard who does Warnock remind me of, and he reminds me of Goblin from Gringotts in Harry Potter. He could be a fucking extra. He really is a fucking Goblin. Um, just ridiculous. And I know he's fighting for his life, but that is a straight-on, nailed-on penalty. Yeah, I've never watched Harry Potter. He's one of the only guys <gasps> who seems to be receding from the side rather than top quicker. Mm, for sure. <laughs> Colin Wanker is, is the anagram of his name, as everyone knows. Yeah, I, oh, just an unpleasant guy. Whinges about everything. And, and you know, his the saltiness from him and from Gary Neville, I just put that into a tank and inject it straight into my veins because that will keep me going forever and ever. Um, for me, as I tweeted out, you know, anywhere else on the pitch without question, it's a foul. Absolutely, without question, nobody would contest that as a foul on Salah. So the fact that it happens inside the box means it's a penalty. You know, it, it's as though there, there seems to be this kind of con, uh, this you know conception that 
if for it to be a penalty, it has to be like an extra special foul. You know, like you can't just you can't just foul someone. It has to be like a special foul for it to warrant a penalty. But no, it's a foul. He, he's got his arms all over him. He's grabbing You know what made me laugh him. about Gary Neville's reaction? In the first half, I think Robertson pulled someone's shirt in the box. Just he did. pulled it. And Gary Neville was like, that's a penalty. And that yeah. was just for a fraction of a pull. So I, find he, I found his commentary. I think it might have been a little bitter from what happened to Manchester United, but really, really salty. But I found him very, very inconsistent in what he was sort of saying, what is a penalty and what isn't. Yeah, he's letting his emotions get the better of him. And and you know what, that's fine because if we do win the league, it'll make it all the sweeter. And I would agree with him. The, the one with Robertson, I'd say we were quite fortunate to get away with that because it's mm. a shirt pull. Mm. And, I, and I said watching that is next year, VAR, that's a penalty against us. Uh, and we've got to be really mindful of these uh, op- these instances in the box. You know, you, you've got to be so careful. I, I watch yeah. the Bundesliga on a regular basis. And we're seeing it, you know, defenders are learning. You've got to be so, so careful in the box. Any little incident like that and the potential is there for a penalty. So next season, yeah, maybe that would have been a penalty against us. But that doesn't change the fact that the the foul from Morrison, I mean, and it borders on sexual assault. He was all <laughs> over him. Yeah, I, I mean, what, yeah, maybe Salah's got a case for that. Um, maybe you can report him to the police for how much he was harassing him and all over his body. Mm. But that was absolutely a foul. And like mm. I said, anywhere else on the pitch, it's a foul. And the fact that he impedes him and fouls him like he does in the box means it's a penalty. Uh, and the narrative can be the narrative, and I don't care because it's all the sweeter for me, is yes, that's a foul, it is a penalty, and who better than James Milner this season to come on and stick it in the net and and just really upset Gary Neville and Colin Wanker. And, and maybe they can have a little hug to the side after the match and console each other that it was a 9.9, you know, bollocks to them. Absolutely. And you know what? Let's just talk about the penalty. Soon as we got a penalty, you know what? I screamed and went, yes, James, because you just know who's going to take it. Anyone else going to take the penalty for you? Um, calm as you like. He's, you know, it was just absolutely incredible from James Milner. I love the fact that, you know, he was actually on the pitch to take it. Anybody else? I mean, do you have another penalty taker in your opinion? I mean, he's just so calm, right? Uh, Tadiva, Andy, anything to add to that? I, I, I love the celebration. Um, yeah, what was the celebration? It was the, the um, walking stick. Bent over uh, Grandpa, yeah. Eto, Eto's done it before, and obviously there's been stick about him being, you know, too old. Uh, His contract okay. runs out in 2020 for Liverpool. Should he get a new contract and stuff like that? Um, yeah, so he's, Fino, he's, Firmino, Firmino enjoyed it. Yeah, he loved it. I mean, I mean, that that was really fun to see that. You know, in such an intense moment, he still also got you know the 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 banter to to pull that off. And yeah, him stepping up. I don't think anyone should be fighting for that ball, um, especially with how confident he is on the penalty spot. Uh, yeah, and he executed that really, really well. So long may that continue. Absolutely. Andy, anything to add to that? I don't think he's missed this season, right? <laughs> no, he hasn't. No, and, and Firmino's batshit crazy. So if he enjoyed it, it must have been. I think the only thing that could have topped it was um, maybe maybe Milner and Salah going over to uh to uh, to Colin Wanker and doing the whole Suarez thing right in front of him, you know. Yeah, dive. Yeah. <laughs> perhaps, 
perhaps that would have topped it, you know, sort of like Milner grabbed hold of Salah and then Salah fell over in front of him, something like that. That that really would have topped things, but maybe, maybe that would have been pushing things a bit. For sure, for sure. But you know what, happy days and, you know, what a way to kind of seal the win. Happy. Um, guys, I think we're pretty much at the end. Is there any final thoughts you kind of want to mention? We kind of did mention for um, Fabinho's um, substitution and it was the right call. Um, anything that you feel that we need to discuss that hasn't been discussed before we quickly move on to man of the match. Tadeev, I'll come to you first. Uh, just the professionalism that this team has shown throughout the season, the maturity that it's grown. It's mm. really positive long-term. You know, this this clearly isn't something that happened like, you know, in 13, 14, where it's a one thing and then you're going to lose half your squad or whatever, or just players aren't going to be happy. Every season under Klopp, we've improved. And... If you go by that logic, at some point in time, it's going to come good. We just have to keep backing the players, backing the coaches. And as long as we always improve every season, I, I don't think you can ask for more. Absolutely. I don't think our threat is going away. And I think, you know, we'll be even stronger next season, regardless of the outcome of this one. Uh, what about yourself, Andy? Any final thoughts before we move on to Man of the Match? I was going to say it's a shame we didn't get two points for Henderson's conversion a few minutes after uh, the Ginny goal, but... Oh God! Yeah, did you see James Milner just holding his face? <laughs> but I, I think that was, like I say, you know, the, the game turned on that on the first goal. It started to open up, and and he was starting mm. to make them runs. And and I think that them runs, getting into them positions, uh, that's what he can add in in them few games that we've got come uh, got left coming up in the league. Uh, and just what I've said, you know, that this this team has progressed to a level now where the, there's a real belief there, and and it is. It's really, it's really heartening, and, it, and it's really nice to see that we've got that belief and that patience that we know we can win games, and it doesn't have to be all done and dusted in the first fifteen twenty minutes. You know, we can keep going and going and going, and that again, that stat we've scored more goals after was it seventy five minutes than any other team in the Premier League, uh, and, and people used to mourn and point the finger at Man United for that during the nineties. You know that oh, they always just they, they score last minute winners and all that. We're doing that, and, and it's not a bad thing. Uh, and that's two comparisons to United. So I'm gonna. Have it to happens a lot. To be fair, a lot of people have been uh, making those comparisons. So you don't feel bad and don't feel dirty. You know. <laughs> it's it it it's just refreshing, isn't it? It's really really heartening that we know we're moving in the right direction, and it's sustainable. That is the big difference between now and five years ago, and and even 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 that. Um, that title uh, challenge under Rafa, this feels sustainable. It doesn't feel like it's a one-off where it's you know it's shit or bust. If we don't win it this time, we'll never win it again. We do feel like you know we're we're on the verge of something special here, and it's just fantastic to be uh, to be witness to it. Absolutely, and Andy, sticking to you, you didn't quite agree with um, Gary Neville's shout for um, Joel Matip winning man of the match. So, who is your man of the match today? I thought it was kind of tough, really, but I probably have to edge it with Firmino. I think mm. him getting about, he was dropping deep into them areas, winning the ball. He was using it quite well. He wasn't dribbling like over dribbling today. I thought uh, his energy, getting about the pitch, making things happen. Um, it's a tough one. I think I'll just edge it to uh, to Bobby today. Nice shout. Uh, what about yourself, Tadiva? Who's your man of the match? Um, that's a tough one. I, I think I'm going to have to give it to... I'm going to give it to Mane. 
I, I, I was going to give it to well. Mane as well. I, I thought he played well. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm going to give it to Mane. I think if it was it was tough for me. Um, yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it was no. a tough one for me this week. But Mane, I thought played well. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone else that that I could justify coming in. I thought Firmino was okay in being creative. Uh, Salah had his moments. Uh, I think obviously the ball stuck under his feet a few times. But Mane stood out once again. He he's playing well, and yeah, yeah, I I have to agree. I think both of them are really good shots. But for me, it um, I thought Sadio Mane just showed so much strength, and just those turns, and you know, just trying to hold play, and you know, just just being a strong. I mean, I know he didn't score, but it's not the be all and end all. I felt like he was very much involved in certainly in a lot of what was going on in the second half. So Sadio Mane gets mine. Uh, listeners, uh, let us know who was your man of the match, reasons why. Do you agree it was Joel Matip your man of the match? It's not a bad shout. He, he played really well, in my opinion. He had a good game. So let us know your thoughts. Guys, we are at the end of this Nina Carter show. Before I let my guests go, because they were awesome, I'll let them do some plugs. Tadiva, anything you'd like to plug? Um, yeah, I'll just plug the fantasy podcasts and, and the wrestling podcasts. I might not be on them uh, each week, but I'm definitely in the background helping the guys out. Uh, with those podcasts so yeah they're, they're well with the listen uh, the guys do their research and uh, they put out some really good content so check them out absolutely and do follow um, Tadiva on Twitter Ace of Naves and also in the summer he'll probably be a busy guy as well because the transfer pod will probably be back I assume yeah definitely mm. um, yeah I can't I can't wait for, for all the crazy rumours they're going to be coming out for that one yeah Absolutely. So, yeah, do check this guy out. And Andy, you little tart. <laughs> What's happening? Um, we've got the small, there's just this little teeny weeny game against um, this team in, Bas- in Barcelona, is it, in Spain? Mm. Barcelona, mm. that's it, Barcelona, yeah. So, yeah, we, um, we've only got to play Barcelona. Good, right? it's not Espanol, you know, but we'll, we'll settle. We'll settle. <laughs> Yeah, just like the greatest player alive and everything like yeah. that. Yeah, so um going to be setting that one up uh, and that one hopefully coming over the next week. Uh, quite looking forward to that because it's, you know, we've got the chance there to play against a fantastic team again, an awesome player and a couple of former players. And I think for us, it's, you know, we can, it's just one of them. We've got nothing to lose, you know. If we win, we've, we've beaten Barcelona. If we lose, it was Barcelona, you know, so... Nothing to lose for us. Great opportunity and something I'm looking forward to discussing. So please do look out for that um, that Champions League preview podcast for the first leg against Barca in the Champions League semi-final coming up soon. Absolutely. Do check it out. It's going to be awesome. I do love the Champions League preview pod. It really does get me in the mood of things. From my side, um, please do keep it locked on, on AI because there's loads of great content like the Champions League podcast free side. On on the pro side, there will be some excellent content. Under Pressure probably back. You'll have Jan Mulby. There's a post-match row right now with um, the likes of Trev Downey, Dave Hendrick and co and probably Carl Matchett, I assume. So do check that out. Uh, there'll be a tactics pod and I will be back um, with a Euro incision post um, the, the Champions League game. So, yep, I'll be contributing as well. But there's so much awesome content. And with regards to the free side, I will be back post post um, Huddersfield. Oh, my God, on Friday. It's a Friday night game. So, yep, keep it here. I hope you're enjoying the ride. And enjoy your bank holiday weekend. And until next time, up the Reds. <laughs> Thank you.
Podcast Network.